Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and if you're listening to this show, then you know what this show is all about. Uh, horror movies, science fiction movies, fantasy movies, gems in the rough, hard-to-find movies, movies that uh, have uh, have a cult following, movies that have no following at all. I'm covering those movies. And today I am going to be touching on uh, some... I have, I have to take a break from the full moon movies. As enjoyable as some of those are, they're kind of like trauma in that I can only take so much of them and then talking about them and it's like, okay, let's move on to something else, shall we? So today I decided to touch on some Blu-rays that I have that, uh, and these are, are certainly qualify as the lesser seen movies and gems in the rough, so to speak, a couple of these are, uh, but they're the Scream Factory two packs. And by two packs, most of the Scream Factory movies that are released are at least half of them are like collector's edition type things that get the deluxe treatment. These still get uh, treated with with uh, with respect. It's just that they generally have two movies on one disc, or you know, or it comes with two discs, whatever. Um, and now here we're talking about movies that that are even even lesser seen than some of Scream Factory's other stuff that is already in a niche category. And so it's almost like they just put, they just package a couple of movies together. Uh, and I like that. I really, I really like that. I just dropped my Blu-ray. Um, so I thought that today I would hit on a couple of those. I have, I think, about five different Scream Factory releases that contain two movies on, uh, on in one packaging. So uh, I I picked the uh, my favorite one, and then I picked my... Uh, a couple, a couple of worthy runner-ups, and we'll just see how far we get in the show. See how far, uh, how many movies I get covered. Some of them I might take a little bit more, uh, spend a little bit more time on than others. So I'm going to start with my personal favorite one of the bunch, just to make sure that I get that one covered. And that is 1987's The Video Dead. Uh, by the way, uh, if you hear the squeaking noise. Um, this show is Cinema's Soft Underbelly, and I'm not editing it out because I'm dealing with grindhouse movies, and so I've got a squeaky office chair, and it fits with this show, so there you go. I purposely am not going to oil my chair because it's a squeaky chair in a basement office, and that's how you're hearing this show. So, anyway, uh, the video dead. Okay, uh, made in 1987, and my I don't have... Uh, as far as background on the movie, I've got there's some trivia, but I will say this: that being the movie that came out in 1987, and obviously being it's called the Video Dead, it was direct to video. Uh, back then, when this movie came out, I was 13 years old, and I re- I remember I remember it plain as day going to the local mall, and in, inside the mall there was a, a VHS rental shop, and we would we would family would go to the mall and I'd, I'd immediately head to the video store and just peruse the categories. I mean, I just walk through the titles and just, just, that was almost how I got to see my horror movies back then is just by staring at VHS boxes. 
And then every now and then I'd go off to a friend's house and be actually be able to watch these movies. Well, there was a poster that the one day there was a poster there for the video dead. Uh, and there, because the, the video rental store was lined with, uh, with movie posters and uh, I was like, oh, man, that cover is amazing. This zombie is crawling out of this TV, and there's electricity, and it's awesome. Well, on top of the fact that they had a poster there, they actually were running previews of coming attractions on this old tube television in this store. And sure enough, the Video Dead was one of them. So I was able to watch the the uh, trailer for it, and I, I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. I, I have to see this movie. So my mission was to finally watch that movie, and lucky enough for me, I had a friend whose mom let him watch horror movies, and so we would go over there, and that's how I watched the uh, Creature, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Friday the 13th, a whole slew of horror movies. We would get stacks of these things. And The Video Dead, I lucked out. That was one of them that I was able to watch. And, oh, man, it, was, it, it, didn't, it didn't disappoint me at all. It was great. Uh, so I'm going to read the back of the Blu-ray here. Uh, let's see here. The video dead on a quiet tree lined street. Evil has arrived in a most ordinary way. An old television set. Uh, it receives a single channel, one that not only shows the same film over and over a horror film where zombies rise from the grave to kill, but also frees the gnarled evil monsters. And once out, they're not going back. They like the real world. They've always they've already killed five people and want more blood. And a new family is moving into the neighborhood. Um, so there's the synopsis, and it it is so ambitious. That's what I think I like about the movie so much is that it is very much a low budget movie. Uh, budget was estimated at eighty thousand dollars, but it really has some really creepy parts, and it's extremely gruesome. Uh, but it's it's another one of those little do it yourself type horror movies. But it was shot on film, and um, the Blu-ray looks makes it look way better than it should, more than more or less. Uh, but you can tell that a lot went into making this movie. The acting is hilarious. Uh, the uh, uh, Let's see here. Zoe Blair is the uh, um, is the the main actress in the movie, and then she's got her brother Jeff Blair. And uh, Jeff Blair is this—he's this this guy is just a complete idiot. But uh, brother and sister in this house, and they find the TV and uh, plug it in, and the zombies come, and it's hilarious. There's a dog involved. There's a neighbor and her dog are involved and uh, death by washing machine in this thing, death by uh, uh, iron, death by, or death by a um, ironing board, if I remember correctly. And it's just crazy. But the, the zombie effects themselves are quite good, much better than you would expect for something this low budget. So, um, I, I I'll tell you it it holds up really well for if if you're into the the 80s horror and I am I am a huge huge fan of 80s horror uh the, it's something about them they have a certain look and feel e- even the low budget low 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 budget ones uh, versus the higher budget ones you can still just tell they're they're made in the 80s and I I love that um 
So uh, anyway, just some notes on the movie that I'm looking at on IMDb that I think I think is kind of uh, kind of interesting. Actor Jack Stellman would get so into his zombie role that he wouldn't talk to his other cast members. He would instead glare at them from across the room or grunt when they spoke to him. Uh, all the zombies in the film had to audition for their roles by grunting, growling, and performing their best zombie walk, which were then incorporated into the finished film. Mr. Stellman came into his audition completely silent and in character, star- uh, staring at the director with his glare and only delivering inaudible noises when asked questions. He was cast on the spot. That's brilliant. I love that. I love method acting like that. Um, and and the, the zombies are obviously the best part of the movie, but they truly are, uh, they truly are creepy. And uh, and very effective, in my opinion. Um, filming uh, filming of the movie took over a year since it was shot mostly on weekends and during the uh, the cast and the crew's free time due to the extremely low budget. And so this is another one of those uh, bad taste type of things or the really old Olaf Eatenbach movies where it's just basically it's a director and a couple of uh, cast members and some crew and they just whenever we got you know spare time let's make this movie I, I think that's that's great uh, while filming the infamous coming out of the television scene actor Jack Stellman nearly fainted from breathing in the CO2 used to create the fog effect and had to be taken outside for air and that is such a great scene in the movie that's that is one of if not the best scene in the movie of these zombies coming out of this TV and it, it it's it works so well that they, they don't need any CGI it just worked great now when the when this brother and sister find the TV and they turn it on, there is a movie. Basically, it's a movie within the movie that you're watching, and uh, and there's and there's other there's another thing that that goes on every now and then. This other thing comes on with this woman, and the original draft of the script, the the origin of the woman was explained by the garbage man, and uh, and another actor in this movie, but was later removed in subsequent drafts due to the writer and the director realizing that there was no need for her to explain her character. She was just another illusion of the cursed TV. And that character is, it's just, it adds to the bizarreness of the movie because it isn't explained really. It's just this, on top of these zombies wandering around the woods on this TV and then they come through the TV, there's also this thing with this woman and it's just weird. It's almost The Shining-ish, like when Jack Nicholson walks into the uh, room 237 and there's this woman in the bathroom. It's kind of like that where it doesn't really make sense. It's just this woman, and it's really creepy. Um, Rocky Duvall was only 16 when he made the movie. He plays the brother, and he was still in high school, and he was actually told by his drama teacher that he wasn't right for the role uh before uh, bringing him and several of his classmates to the casting call. Uh, his teacher, needless to say, was shocked when he landed the part. I think that's great. I, I think that's awesome. Um, so anyway, it, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to win any awards, but it's a fun movie. Man, is it fun, and it's funny. It's, uh, they, do, um, they do really good with, with putting in some, some comedy, knowing, hey, we're making a low-budget film here, and uh, but we have to still put in some grue, and it's just it's a nice combination of a bunch of different things thrown together into this really low budget movie that works quite well. So big thumbs up here. I I uh, I gotta say I I really enjoyed it. And there was uh, a couple other notes here, real quick. Now I'll move on. Originally there there was one scene where this zombie is cut in half, and it's so great. Um, it's one of the goriest parts of the movie. His legs were supposed to get up and run off. Uh, and the, that effect actually is later used in Return of the Living Dead Part 2, but the effect wasn't pulled off to the satisfaction of the director, so it was cut from the final film. 
uh, when the additional gore shots were done. And that's fine. I mean, I understand that would probably have been pretty difficult to pull off, but the gore on hand, especially that scene, was just nasty. It's, ugh. I still remember that. The first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this is horrible. Horrible. So, anyway, uh, it's it's a cool movie, and uh, you don't necessarily have to be a huge fan of horror movies to enjoy this. If you're a fan of just oddball, and it's not really scary, it's just, it's something about it is just, if you're a fan of, especially of the 80s, uh, I think you should give it a shot, especially if you're, the zombies are the big thing right now, and so if you can handle The Walking Dead, this is, this is, easy goings compared to stuff like that. So anyway, The Video Dead. I highly recommend you check it out, especially on this double feature because the other movie itself is a cool little movie, and that is Terror Vision. And this is another one that I remember seeing at the exact same video store that had The Video Dead. Uh, They had this poster for Terror Vision, and then I, I would see it parked there on VHS and just... Think, oh, I wish so bad I could watch that movie. I so wish I could watch all these movies, including The Deadly Spawn and Chopping Mall and The Stuff and Killer Clowns and you name it. Oh, the, the walls were lined. Toxic Avenger, they were aligned with movies that I so wanted to see. Yet I just had to bide my time, just wait for it, because eventually I got to see them all. Uh, but Terror Vision from 1986 uh, and this thing, it's I would prefer Video Dead over this, although this is classic Camp 80s. It classic. Um, okay, so I'm going to talk about this movie a little bit. Back of the DVD or Blu-ray here. Life will never be the same for the Putterman family in Terror Vision. Stanley Putterman installs a state-of-the-art satellite dish in his backyard. Through a cosmic accident, a wayward monster's energy is beamed across galaxies into the satellite and onto the Putman's television set. Uh, The Puttermans don't notice any changes, only better reception and a strange monster continually appearing on the screen. But when the monster leaps off the screen and into the Putterman's living room, terror erupts as it needs to feed on humans for its survival. So there you go. Um, This is a complete cheesy mess of a movie and there's actually some actors in this movie that you would uh that you would actually notice uh garrett graham is in this he was in child's play 2 phantom of the paradise uh used cars um to name a few uh, but there there actually is some cast members in this that you're like oh okay i've i've seen him in in other stuff um Chad Allen is in this movie, and he's been in in some different movies. So anyway, it's it's not a complete no-name cast. But I'll tell you, this movie is fast-paced. It's 83 minutes long, and it it screams 80s so from the hills. It's weird 80s. The styles are way, way, way overdone, uh, which is hilarious. The music is... is is so niche that it was probably dated the day the thing came out because uh, it's almost got this r- new wave r- rave type. I, I don't even know how what you call it. It's not good, uh, but it's funny. Uh, so not not to be taken seriously at all, this movie. Um, it's It just is what it is, and it's, it's really, really funny. I'm going to go through just some notes here. Uh, there is a brief MTV clip shown of a Wasp song called Tormentor, and uh, and so 
they were fans of the, obviously the director was a, must have been a fan of Wasp, and that is an '80s hair metal band. So there's that. Um, British rock band Terror Vision took their name from this film. So there's something else. Uh, in the prologue, a model of the USS Enterprise can be seen upside down, missing its engines, painted to look like a building on planet Pluto. Why I don't know, uh, but there you go. Um, so, um, uh, looking through the rest of the notes here, honestly, there's not a whole lot, um, whole lot to be said. It's just a, a bizarro movie. The alien itself almost looks like Pizza the Hut from from Spaceballs, except grosser. Uh, and this movie here is, other than a little bit of nudity, it, it's it's complete PG, PG-13 rated stuff. It could, this, with a little bit of editing, this totally could have been a kid's movie almost, like a family, like a cheesy 80s, like uh, Invaders from Mars and, uh, and stuff like that, Flight of the Navigator, although on a what much, much, much lower budget and way more cheesy. Uh, this is an Empire Pictures movie, so, uh, so that means that this was this was not a full moon picture, but Charles Band was involved in this and all that all that good stuff. Uh, the director Ted uh, uh, Nicolau he actually did some stuff for um for for uh, full moon, and he's actually got a, a nice amount of credits to his name. He he did subspecies two and three. And uh, actually, he did all the subspecies. Now that I see it, and then he also did some of the Moonbeam uh, movies for uh, for Full Moon, which I have zero zero interest in anything like that. So, and he's still he's still working too. He did a movie called Devil Dolls in 2012, and with a title like that, of course, yeah, I'm seeing here Charles Band is involved in that. So there you go. That's obviously another Full Moon movie, uh, but. Uh, Terrorvision, good time. It's wacky, weird, funny, and totally soft underbelly material here. Um, by the way, another another cool thing is the original poster for this movie is so, so cool. It says, People of Earth, your planet is about to be destroyed. We're terribly sorry for the inconvenience. And there's this real big satellite dish with an eyeball in the middle and tentacles coming out of it and lightning, and it's awesome. Both of these movies are worth uh, worth the price of... A, a, a Blu-ray in and of itself. And the fact that they actually put both of those together on one Blu-ray is fantastic, I think. Especially with their special features on them. And it's big thumbs up. I'm I'm very impressed. So, uh, next up, I'm going to hit on uh, one more. That I Obviously, I went too long on television and Video Dead, which is why I wanted to do that disc first, because those would be more of my my A-lister stuff for this episode. Uh, I'm going to now talk about Scanners Part 2 and Scanners Part 3. And if ever there were sequels that jumped the shark from the first movie, it would be the Scanners movies, because Scanners 1 was from David Cronenberg, and I shouldn't even be mentioning that movie on this show, because that is not soft underbelly material. That is... A, a fantastic movie. It actually was just released on Criterion, and that movie is way too good for the stuff that I talk about. Um, Scanners Part 2 and 3, though, on the other hand, are very much soft underbelly material. Um, something happened, and I'm not quite sure what, but they went the complete opposite direction of Scanners 1 and made these things completely cheesy, 
direct-to-video, low-budgeter things. Um, and now, I've complained a lot about the 90s and the lack of really good quality horror, but in the on the video market, there was a lot going on versus the theatrical market. And so a lot of times, movies like this would just pop up on on, uh, on DVD. Well, actually, no, not on VHS. Uh, and Scanners 2 and 3 were a couple of them. And then there was actually a Scanner Cop series. There's Scanner Cop two, 1 and 2, I believe. Um, but I'm just going to be focusing on Scanners 2, The New Order, and Scanners 3, The Takeover. I'm not going to spend much time on Scanners 3 because it was really bad. Scanners 2, however... Uh, there is some good stuff in that movie, especially because they play it straight. Scanners 3, they tried... Um, I'm not sure what happened with Scanners 3, but it was a mess. These are Canadian productions, and Scanners 1 was as well. Uh, but uh, fairly nice budget for Scanners 2. And uh, I'll read the back of the movie here. Uh, scanners 2, The New Order. A breed of humans with dangerously powerful telepathic abilities, the Scanners, are being recruited by a corrupt police officer, uh, John Forrester. In his crusade to take over the city, Forrester first enlists the help of an evil scientist, Dr. Morse, who wants to conduct mind control experiments on the scanners with a new drug. When the side effects render the scanners incapable, Forrester then finds David Kellum, um, a rational scanner who, unaware of his own powers, agrees to help him. Will Keller discover Forrester's real motive and prevent the New Order from being established? Um, there is a lot going on in this movie. It still screams direct to video, um, and it's over long by a good 15 minutes. It just it kind of drags, but you can tell they're really trying to uh, to make a good follow up to Scanners, although it falls way 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 short. Um, it it just doesn't get it. But just when you're starting to get bored someone's head explodes or someone's veins start popping out and there's a cool scanner scene because that's one of the things with with the whole deal with the scanners is it's a mind control thing and you can project uh, you could basically make people do things that they don't want to do like kill themselves or make their heads explode or eyeballs pop out all that stuff crazy stuff um and just for the record the first scanners is uh i i definitely think that uh, you should start with the first Scanners because it is a quality piece of cinema from the early 80s. It really is a good movie. Um, and if you really like it, then I, w- I would imagine if you really liked it that you'll probably enjoy Scanners too, to a certain degree. Um, uh, David Cronenberg helped write it, uh, but uh, to what extent, I don't know. It says here the char- he wrote the characters. And so I'm not sure if that, that's just... Uh, if that's just from the first movie, but, uh, uh, David, uh, Hewlett actually is still acting. He was in, uh, cube and he was in rise of the planet of the apes from 2011. He was in splice from 2009, which is another movie that eventually I'm going to cover on this show. I think that is an underseen and underappreciated gem in the rough. Um, and then there's some other movies that he's been in too. So he actually, um, you know, he's gone on to do some, uh, some other stuff. So, uh, but I'll tell you, it, it is a, an enjoyable movie. There's good bad guys in it. This one here has a, one of the bad guys in this has, he looks like an Indian uh, actually. And he might be, he's got really, really long straight hair. Um, I wish that I could find who there he is. Raul, uh, Raul Julio. Uh, he, Oh, he was in apocalypto, uh, Riddick, the new world cowboys. And okay. So 
you'll you probably know who this guy is, especially with Riddick. I know exactly which which guy this is, but yeah, he was the bad guy in in uh, Scanners too. So the more I think about this movie, the more I want to watch this movie again because it really was an enjoyable movie. Um, however, on the flip side, we have Scanners Part Three, and after I watched Scanners Two when I got this on Blu-ray, I'm like, okay. Not bad. I mean, not uh, certainly not Scanners, the first one, but that was pretty enjoyable. Um, so let's get on with part three. Okay, so Scanners 3. Back of the Blu-ray uh, is a young scanner with extraordinarily telepathic powers transforms into a lethal killing machine after taking one of her father's experimental drugs. After taking over his pharmaceutical company, the deranged scanner runs amok on a killing spree and takes over a television company in her quest for world domination. As her thirst for power grows stronger, only one man, her scanner brother, might have the power to stop her. It sounds good, actually, I think. Um, And it's not. It's um, the most hammy, cheesy acting uh, to the point where the acting is so cheesy that you're actually... uh, you're like, okay, this is starting to be played for comedy, right? No, uh, no, uh uh-uh. It's not. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure what happened. It's the same director that directed Scanners 2, Christian Dugoy, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. He's from Canada. He directed uh, The Art of War. Let me just see here. I think he directed The Art of War with Wesley Snipes, Screamers, um, Joan of Arc, uh, extreme ops. Yeah, I mean some stuff in there. Yeah. But yeah, Scanners three. Uh, so again, I guess if you go into this movie thinking this is almost a parody of the Scanners movies, you might enjoy it because the acting is so over the top. Everything is so over exaggerated, and I'm not sure if the budget was. Uh, was cut drastically from even part two, but it just, it felt so much more low budget than even the already somewhat low budget part two. Um, so I, I, even the, the gore and violence in it was uh, not where where part two was. And, and that could have totally saved this movie. If this movie would have been chock full of, of exploding heads and all sorts of crazy scanners goings ons, this would have been a gem in the rough, uh, but when you make something like this, and then it's like it's like Trancers, the uh, Empire film slash Full Moon movies, uh, Scanners with Tim Thomerson. Uh, there's a a good movie in there for for horror fans, as long as it's not watered down. Um, if they would have thrown everything in the kitchen sink into something like Trancers and something like Scanners Three, and just made it completely over the top gruesome and all that crazy stuff. Then you're like, okay, I'm on board. That's now we're talking. But when you don't have that, and you're still forced to watch something really cheesy, it's like, oh man, missed opportunity. Especially when part two was a a pretty worthy follow up, direct to video follow up, but a pretty worthy follow up to the very good, although not Cronenberg's best, but very good first one. So. Anyway, if you do end up getting the Blu-ray combo pack. I must say, you should give the part three a chance. Even though I'm I'm ripping on it, uh, 
it is one of those where it's uh, so bad it's good type of thing. So you might actually really enjoy it for uh, for a laugh, uh, but um, they just they they jump the shark as far as the seriousness of one, and then even even two to a certain extent, and it just gets weird and bad acting and 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 it it goes on for too long uh even that one that one's i think a uh, hundred minutes long and it's like come on this should be uh, the way this is playing out this should be 80 minutes long and it's not and it goes on and on so anyway and now that i see i see on here on imdb it says uh writers david cronenberg so th- there's no way that he wrote any of this i'm guessing that he they're probably just using that as writing from the first movie because I cannot imagine David Cronenberg had anything to do with Scanners 3. Uh, so anyway, so I, I covered two of the two-pack Scream Factories. There is more. Uh, I'll tell you, Scream Factory uh, is one of my favorite companies here in the States releasing quality horror movies. Uh, they've got a great a great slate coming up for 2015, some really good movies coming out that I'm looking forward to getting. Uh, as well as some turds that I'll probably avoid at all costs. But regardless, I'm still glad that there are studios out there, uh, production companies that are putting out movies that that uh, wouldn't see the wouldn't see the light of day if it wouldn't be for these these uh, niche production companies. Because uh, anymore with streaming, it's it just the the little guy. It seems like these little movies just don't get the time of day like bigger features do. So I'm glad that they're still being made available and being restored and uh, made to look new again. So that's that's great. But I'm going to continue on with uh, with the Scream Factory more than likely. I'm not sure if it's going to be the next episode, but soon I'm going to keep talking about some more of these Scream Factory titles that you really should pick up. So that's going to do it for me today. You can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com for any questions, comments, movies I should watch, movies I should avoid, uh, all that good stuff. And stay tuned coming soon, another episode from Movie Freaks over on YouTube as well as Facebook. Uh, and it was a great episode. Uh, you'll enjoy that one. And then our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks as well. Uh, they do a great show over there, so make sure that you check them out on iTunes. And um, that's going to do it for me today. I hope that you've enjoyed my uh, ramblings on some really cheesy movies. I enjoy them, and I sure hope that you give them a chance. So uh, thanks again for listening, and until next time. Mm-hmm.